just like most episodes, this one contains strong language. Who are Kenyatta and Jack? We're just friends who are Gen Xers, former Air Force brats, parents, taxpayers, and citizens of the Earth. And we're here to save it one podcast at a time. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the most spectacular, awesome podcast ever created a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Two amazing, beautiful human beings that grew up on Tinker Air Force Base would talk before we even knew what podcasts were in fifth and sixth grade at PE about how one day we will rule the world and change it through podcasting. We had no idea what that meant, but that's what we did. As usual, I am Kenyatta, and over in Virginia is Jack. Hey, Jack. No. Wait. Who? Something seems a bit off there. Hmm. We may have gone through that wormhole we were trying to avoid. Hold on. Yeah. Okay. It's good. It's good. I'm fine. We're oh, good. No. You good? Yeah, I'm good now. I'm good. I remembered. Okay. I'm Jack. You're oh. Kenyatta. Yes, I, I remember. I am. That. I am. I know you. Hi. <laughs> Howdy. Howdy. How are things in your neck of the woods? I mean, you know, the Commonwealth is the Commonwealth. They're just going to keep nickel and diamond us to death until we just keel over from tax immersion. So you have no wealth. You're just mm. common with no wealth. Yes. Common with no wealth. Oh, that could be a new state saying. Let me see if I can get a hold of Department of Tourism. Anyway. <laughs> And how are you over there in the Sooner State? I am just fantastic. There is not a day that goes by that something in this state doesn't occur that I'm completely embarrassed by. Mm, But at least it's only one. It's not Mm. two like it was there for a while. So we are getting better. Well, there's that. That is something to look forward to. So there's that. Listening, friends. Have you ever wondered why Oklahoma's nickname is the Sooner State? Have you? Have you? Have you? It was because greedy, over-anxious settlers wanted land too much. That's it. That's it. I'm sure history will tell you something a little bit more tasteful, but that's what it sums up. That's how it summed up. That's it. They They wanted to get in there sooner, so sooner. They wanted to be there sooner rather than later, and they were willing to... Go and stake out Samaria in the the first land run. Correct. And instead of waiting for the starting bell or the gun or whatever it was, they snuck in and staked out some land before they officially were allowed to. There you go. Yep. Yep. That is true. So if that tells you anything, yeah. (laughs) But, you know, something that is kind of cool, Oklahoma City went from, like, Monday, they're not being in Oklahoma City, and Tuesday it was a town of, like, 15,000 people, so kind of cool, I guess. Oh, yeah. They were in a hurry to get there, for sure. For sure. I mean, if you know anything else about the actual history and not, let's say, having been born and raised in Oklahoma and learning the version that they wanted you to know. Right. Yeah. You would know that a good part of Oklahoma back in the day was made up of people from other places. 
Yeah. They, I believe a certain uh, Andrew Jackson said, hey, we're going to move you over here. Mm. But that, friends, is actually something we touched on on a previous episode. So go back. Go back. Go back. Yep. Go back. We That's, did. We did. Yep. Good old, good old Andy Jackson. Indeed. Indeed. But um, um, we're going to go ahead and get the train back. Back on the, the tracks. Tra- back on the tracks. Yeah, we're going to get the train back on the tracks and forgive us, listening friends, you'll find out why we're ridiculous here in just a second. Speaking of trains, do you want to go (laughs) ahead and go into your WTF? Yes, I do. Listening friends, I have a little bit of a two-parter. Both have to do with our law enforcement, hard at work. One part is relatively silly, I guess you could say. The other part, not so much. So Yeah, yeah. Some we'll some see. of those officers were definitely a little harder at work than others. And having said that, sorry, I couldn't help it. <laughs> last week in a Nashville suburb called Laverne, I think that's how you say it. About six six officers have been fired. Two have been suspended due to some unsavory behavior in the office and out. So. Oh, excuse me, five officers have been fired and three have been suspended, excuse me. As the police department there investigate some allegations, which include uh, sharing dirty pictures with each other, having SEX in the police station on duty and taking part in, quote, girls gone wild, end quote, type party. Here's the part that's going to make you squirm a little as though it hadn't already out of the five officers fired, one was a woman. Megan Hall was or has been alleged to have had relations with four other male officers. Sergeant Lewis Powell, Sergeant Henry Ty McGowan, Detective Seneca Shields, and Officer Juan Lugo Perez. Now, do I have details as to whether or not that was happening all at one time? I don't know. I don't know that I want to know. It's making me itch even as we speak. But apparently she was involved with all four of these men at some time or another, sexually, both on the job, on duty, while they were supposed to be protecting the citizens of this Nashville suburb and off duty, where one of the police officers owned a houseboat that all the officers would get together on and have, quote, hot tub party. And this was as recently as last Memorial Day, not even a year ago where the officers were drinking heavily. And at one point, the female officer lost her top and had vodka poured down her throat. City officials launched an investigation just a month ago, December 12th, after a police sergeant informed, I believe this is the police chief, that uh, she, former police officer Hall, quote, was having intimate relationships, end quote, with fellow officers. Under questioning, the uh, five, excuse me, the four male officers all admitted to having had sex with Hall. She also admitting having had sex with those officers and with another officer. And she also shared nudie pics with several other officers. <sighs> so my question for you is, do you mm-hmm. think, uh, you know, adults engaging in adult activities, do you think firing them was maybe too stiff of a punishment? She had to mute it, guys. <laughs> I... <laughs> I don't, I don't think it was, I think it was sufficiently strict. 
um, considering that they were clearly not up for the job. Um, and now, I posed I posed this question offline to Jack uh, before we started. This little Nashville suburb must be pretty high end, or they just don't have a whole lot of crime because who has time to do all of that in the office on duty? What in the world is happening there? If I was a citizen or um, lived in that particular neighborhood, I would be at every city council meeting from here until the end of forever. Just clean house because I'm almost willing to bet these five people and whoever else is these five that got fired and whoever else has been suspended. I'm going to guarantee you there's a lot more people. If, if they aren't involved with this group, they're doing something else. So, yeah. 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 I'm, I'm wondering if I, this is going to end up being a, uh, like a Hallmark movie of the week. A lifetime movie. Yeah. Yeah. They could start like, Memorial. They could start Memorial day movies. They have the Christmas. They could. they could. And the opening scene could be the hot tub. Yeah. 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 Cause they I bet you- remember their time when they were, you know, police officers. Mm, mm, mm. I, I, mm. I don't know what to do with this information. It has made for, as as Jack mentioned, offline has made for many, many a meme in the last week. But it is a disturbing piece of news. I mean, Tennessee's got its own rash of problems depending on where you go. But this here, <laughs> this is your law enforcement hard. At work. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only thing I can hope is that if, you know, she ends up pregnant, she names the kid Thomas. Let that one think about that for a minute. If you have kids, you know, Sir Topham Hat, George Carlin, Ringo Starr. Having said that, <laughs> <laughs> marinate on that. And I'm going to go into my second part of my two part of law enforcement. While on law enforcement, hard at work. Listening, friends, I don't know how many of you guys remember back in, I want to say it was 2021, 2020, December 2020, here in the Commonwealth, where uh, I believe he's an Army officer, got pulled over by the cops, and the uh, officer's body cam recorded the whole incident, and I watched that video. I remember when this happened. Because it was a big deal here, obviously, and I, I think it did make the national news. But it was a big here because it took place in a in a town called Windsor, which is further north, not too far from D.C. And the off- I mean, the um, the army officer was I believe he was driving home late one night. Cops were behind him, hit the lights. They claimed he was trying to evade, you know, evade the police. He said he was just trying to stop in a lighted place because it was a rural road without too many lights. He pulls mm-hmm. over in the, he pulls over in the gas station. They pulled him over, I think, for speeding or some such thing. And the cop's body cam took the whole incident down. They told him to put his hands, you know, they go to his driver's side window. He puts his window down. They're like, put your hands up. He puts his hand up out the window. Then they tell him to get out of the car. He says, how can I get out of the car if I have my hands up? And the cop that there were two cops on him and they were so nasty. They were so nasty and rude to that man. And they claimed that he wasn't compliant, so they pepper sprayed him in his face while he's sitting in the car. Uh, so, yeah. Did you ever see that video? Do you remember that story? I believe I do. 
But then again, it, something like that recently happened, so I might be uh, uh, combining instances, <laughs> which is sad that we've it reached is. a point to where now you're like, well, wait a minute, maybe I don't remember that, because that it sounds is. like about eight other things that have occurred. Yeah, between then and now. So um, the Army officer is Second Lieutenant Karen Nazario, and he ended up suing uh, the Windsor Police Department, and they just came back with a verdict. It was a million dollars that he was looking for. And the officers in question faced four counts, assault, battery, false imprisonment, and illegal search because they did end up searching his car. For what? Don't know. But the fact that they body, they, they pepper sprayed the man while he's sitting in his car, he's got his hands up, and he doesn't know whether to keep his hands up or to reach his hand out and open the door because they're telling him conflicting information and they're nasty right. about it. They pepper sprayed him. He did nothing. He was irritated. But he didn't do anything to them. So he sues for a million dollars. They just came back with a verdict of $3,685. One officer was ordered to pay $2,685 in damages under liability for assault. He was cleared of all other charges. The other officer was liable for an illegal search. He was ordered to pay a total of $1,000. Listening friends, if you have seen this video and it's not like I want to encourage you, to go watch yet another incident of uh, heavy-handed policing, quote-unquote. But if you see what they did to him and how they treated him, there's no way in hell that a verdict of $3,600 is fair. And the fact that the cops pretty much got away with the least amount of charges that they could. The officers have been fired since, obviously, but <laughs> ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah. That's... uh. I mean, at this point, I would almost be, like, more ridiculous if they would have, like, said, hey, here's $10 million for your trouble. We fired these guys, and they're going to, we're, we're going to prosecute them. That actually, at this stage of the game, is what would be the ridiculous outcome. Yeah. <laughs> you know, based upon how these things usually work out. Yeah, you're right. Everybody would be like, what, that happened? What? Yeah. Wait. You mean they the right thing happened? No, that's ridiculous. <laughs> like we'll be looking around like what uh, what? They actually held them accountable? That I did not hear. So if anything, let's give them an A for consistency. Thanks. And let's not forget this is Virginia. Say what you will about Virginia. It might be the first state just under the Mason Dixon line. But it was the location of two of the three capitals of the Confederacy during the Civil War. Never forget it. That is all. Yes. <laughs> Never more, forget it. And the more things change, the more they stay the same. Indeed. And that, friends, is your law enforcement. Give them a hand. <gasps> and before you do that, though, we're going to hear what our pal Jack has this week for us. Jack. Well, I'm going to have to go with, you know, there, as usual, the, it was like trying to find water in the Sahara. Ew. You know, it, there was just nothing out there that I could, you know, pick as a WTF. And uh, I, so I've decided I'm going to go with this beautiful thing. As failed former President Donald John Trump has truthed out and stated several times, he could not have possibly have done what he is being sued for by Eugene Carroll because 
she's not his type. She's just not attractive enough. He only likes attractive women. He's truthed this out multiple times. He said it on interviews. Well, of course, now the transcripts from when they uh, were, whatever that is, my brain all of a sudden quit working, you know, where he's getting... Depositioned. Thank you. And he was asked multiple questions just about various things. And he was shown a picture and he was basically asked who was in that picture. And it's him and... Uh, his first wife, Ivana, some guy, and then a woman who he identifies as uh, his second wife, Marla Maples, a woman who he had also, before they got married, when he was still married to Ivana, basically said that she had the best rack he had ever seen, and she was incredibly attractive. This is only relevant because it turns out that the woman that he identified as Marla Maples was in fact E. Jean Carroll. And they have the nerve to call Joey B. Sleepy Joe. Right. <laughs> uh, first of all, if I may, I wonder how Marla is doing, by the way. You don't hear much from her. Just don't. That's probably planned. I don't blame her. I don't. I don't. I don't. I read an article not too long ago um, in Vanity Fair, which is a pretty good publication. And um, they did an article on Ivana um, not too long after she passed away. And she remembers what happened when her ex-husband announced his candidacy. People were coming for her. I'm like, she she ditched that zero years ago. She has absolutely nothing to do with him. Right. And the fact that she wasn't out there, she was out there living her best life. Like She went on to have several boyfriends. She did things. She went around the world. She did things. She built a brand. The fact that she managed to have a light outside of that idiot is fantastic. Yes. So I guess I'm answering my own question as to what happened with Marla. She's somewhere probably living her bestest and most quiet life ever. I don't blame her. But to have him not even recognize her or sorry, Miss. To mistake her is what you right. confuse her with someone else. Right. Yeah. Someone that you should probably know what she would look like since you married her. She was and the cause of you. Well, not the cause. He was the cause, but correct. she was a part of it, of and, uh, the divorce with your first wife, because you had to do that. And it, you got, you get me mixed up with some other woman. Yeah. I have a feeling what he's going to say, though, his excuse will be, I never really found Marla attractive. She was never really my type. Oh, that wouldn't surprise me at all if he said something like that. At but, all. Yeah. And he was also asked if he had ever kissed or touched um, a woman without their consent, to which he said, well, no. <laughs> like, wait a minute. Do you remember that you were talking about that you could just grab him by the kitty cat? No, he doesn't. Remember this? Yeah, this is his playbook. Yeah. Deny that you ever said that thing that everyone has a record of you saying. Deny you ever said that. This man, there has never been somebody that's, you know, supposed to be the smartest man that ever lived. That is like doing, he's like practically daring district attorneys to like come at him and be like, yeah, yeah, you've got nothing. You can't use my own words against me. But. (laughs) The other part of this is also mm. another thing that's in that. I don't, was it the deposit? Yeah. 
He actually said that in an interview, she claimed that she liked it. Once again, that's wrong in more ways than one. And number, the main thing that needs to be stated, though, is rape is not about sex. And if you're attracted to the person, mm-hmm. rape is a power move. That's what it is. It doesn't matter if he found her attractive or not. That's not the issue. It was a power move, and he was establishing power and dominance over her. And there is no, well, maybe not no, one of the best ways to dominate and destroy a person and to claim power over them is to rape them. Correct. That's what that is about. Correct. So his excuse of I don't find her attractive is just a bullshit thing anyway. But I mean I just found it insane that you know his thing is I don't find her attractive and then you confuse her with your ex-wife. <laughs> I mean know? that that may have been what he was seeing when he met her. Honestly. Who knows? Who knows what goes on in that pudding cup brain of his? Seriously. Why would you, why would you diss pudding like that? I'm sorry. Pudding's good. Chocolate pudding, especially. Trump is I'm not so- good. I'm sorry, even, pudding. Even if you called him orange cream pudding. Ew, ew, ew. Mm. Yeah. But. Mm. I'm sorry. All pudding that ever existed in, even rice pudding. I'm sorry. Yeah. <gasps> if you're a thin in rice pudding, you've really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just it never ceases to amaze me though that there are so many people in this country that think that smooth-brained orange smooth-brained orange-faced man is intelligent you know smarter than einstein you just all the best words you know you just sounded like that pink cat that wore the the bow tie in the cuff. Uh, oh, yeah. Snuffleupagus. Oh, yeah. No, Snagglepuss. No, no, Snagglepuss. Snagglepuss. Yeah. Exit that- stage right. <laughs> Once again, showing our age. Indeed. Indeed. But yeah, I I don't know. I'm at a loss. All the words that I, I, I can't think of any more words to use to talk about that disaster zone. I, I can't. I just... I used them all up. I probably double and tripled up on some of the better words and phrases that I had while he was in office. Like every day it was something. Yeah. Flaming flaming dumpster fire. The, we, uh, we've really reached the point to where we have to start going back and finding insults and names that they called stupid people from like the 17th and 18th and 19th or you know centuries to but yeah, we've just used all of the insults from late twentieth century to you know where we are now. We've we're just gonna have to start going and finding insults for morons from you know two, three, four hundred years ago. He's we've used up all of the current stuff from him. With have him, I, I mean I'm trying to think of how I, did I ever call him a dweeb? I'm sure how could you have not? I may have. I may have in one of those one of those moments, like in passing, like I was walking past the TV and his face was there and I'd be like, that dweeb and just kept going. It might have been some some throwaway. It may have been. I had to go back and examine my my catalog of insulting names. Yeah. But yeah. much like a lot of things, I think he is going to be here to stay until he isn't. Yeah. Yeah. But 
Something that's interesting, I do not know if this is true or not, saying this is going to be so freaking weird to say. Iran and Iraq may may have done, done the world a favor. Mm-hmm. How, you might ask? Mm-hmm. Both of those countries have put out arrest warrants for Donald Trump. And if there's anything you know, especially more Iran than Iraq, um, they are not above taking people that they want to detain and picking them up in other countries, okay, <laughs> which could okay. cause issues yeah. in other countries. So other countries are not wanting filled former President Donald Trump in their countries for that reason. So mm-hmm. it's almost made it to where he can't travel out of country because if ever there was somebody that had access to a plane that could leave the country if they were about to say be indicted it would be him so if you want to see him indicted and tried iran may have helped in that isn't that funny i don't want to i don't want to use the phrase the enemy of my enemy is my friend but marinate on that it it, it's strange times folks strange times yeah It's making me itch all over again. I'm just one step away from hives. Basically. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Same. Anyway, that that was now that that fun topic of conversation is over. I know that you had a subject that you wanted to touch on today, and we should probably move on to that. Yes. Yes. I had been um, marinating. That is the third time I've used that word today listen you must be hungry no i had i had dinner Mm. i guess it wasn't very satisfying maybe i do need to marinate something for sunday dinner who knows anyway i have been uh pondering this particular topic for a little while mostly for my own education i'd always have my questions but i thought it would be something or a good topic for us to discuss here because as you all know we all we are all about education and enlightening ourselves. And the more we do that, the more we understand each other better. So True. to that end, today I would like to discuss the difference between race, ethnicity, and nationality. It may sound like some of the same things, but as you're going to find out, as I did, we are talking about distinctly different things. Huh. Mm-hmm. Yes. And one of my little four-legged furry audience friends just walked in the room. Yeah, she did. And it's the chatty one. So, uh, listening friends, my apologies if you hear some peeping in the back. I'll do my best. Quite all right. Race versus ethnicity versus nationality. So, nationality, and of course we'll get into that in further detail, is a pretty simple one as far as definitions are concerned. But race and ethnicity are not the same thing, even though they may sound like they have they're related, but they're not the same thing. Right. I'll tell you why. So race refers to dividing people into groups, often based on physical characteristics such as skin color, hair color, hair color and texture, eye color, facial features and physical build. Ethnicity refers to the cultural expression and identification of people of different geographic regions, including their customs, history, language, and religion. It also includes styles of dress, hairstyles, social customs, 
food and dietary preferences or restrictions. And of course, nationality, which is obviously different from these two by quite a degree, is pretty much the legal sense of belonging to a specific political nation state or more plainly, where you a citizen of, basically. Right. And believe it or not, there are different types of citizenship besides what you might think, but we'll get into it. But to start off with, we're going to dig into race. And I know that the debate has been out there for a very long time as to whether or not race is a social concept. And to most, in most instances, it is. But it does have an actual definition that refers to the differences in how people look, basically. Yes. And the differences in how we look has, uh, has to do with our genetics, our DNA. So, again, we're talking skin color, um, facial features, size of your nose, the size of your chin, the size of your forehead, whatever the case may be. So they're just pretty much those physical characteristics that identify us and for us to be able to tell the differences, quote unquote, where somebody may be from. And the thing of it is, is that, and I'm not just talking about here in the States, I'm talking about across the world. Uh, well, some countries do take great pains not to invite other people from other countries into theirs. That's just their thing. Yes. Some countries are a little bit more um, of a mixed stew kind of thing. So you can see, depending on the country you go to, the States is a good example of this. Um, sometimes you can't pick out and say, hey, this person is this or mostly this or mostly this. There's a lot of different ethnicities floating around in one person in this country. And I'm sorry, I'm not necessarily wording that right, but a lot of times you can look at someone not necessarily able to pin the most predominant genetic makeup of who they might be. So for instance, when people talk about race, they may say they're Aboriginal. They may say they're African-American or black, Asian, European-American or white, Native American, or as we like to say, indigenous or first nations, Native Hawaiian or Pacific Islander, Maori or any other kind of race. So those are examples of what we call race. And listening, friends, I got to admit, I was a little ignorant about what race, quote unquote, actually meant and what the difference between that and ethnicity was. So as I'm here teaching all of you, I also would taught myself. So you say, what's the difference between race and ethnicity? Good question. Ethnicity refers to the shared cultural characteristics, as stated, such as your language, your ancestry, practices, and beliefs. For example, some people might identify as Latino or another ethnicity. And, and instead of categorizing people just as, say, let's say, Asian American or Hispanic American, you could be more specific and say Japanese American or Cuban American. Instead of just giving them a blanket term of Asia, you could say Chinese American or Taiwanese or whatever the case may be. Or instead of like they say, instead of saying Latino, you can say Cuban or Colombian or whatever right. actual country they may be from that particular continent. So it's a more a more specific way to, I guess, it's related to race, but a more specific way to identify someone, I guess you right. could say. I, I think sometimes here in America, because it's America, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think we almost have an oversimplified view of things, whereas a lot of people, just as an example, we'll see you know, a black person, African-American, whatever you want to, and well, they, 
you know, their ancestors came from Africa. But in Africa, the ethnicities, there are hundreds of ethnic people in Africa. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. Uh, somebody that's, say, from uh, the West Coast of Africa, their ethnicity is different than somebody from Ethiopia or the Sudan. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. we don't, in this country, necessarily think about that. And it's the same thing in uh, in Asia, you know, Vietnamese people, their eth- ethnicity is different than Chinese people. And in Europe, mm-hmm. someone from Ireland or Scotland is going to have kind of a more of a Celtish <laughs> background in genetics versus someone from Russia, you know. It, yeah. And that's just something that we don't think about in this country because our history <laughs> has almost led to an oversimplification simplification of things and we mm-hmm. have almost a moron's view of how things work <laughs> unfortunately so and that is and it's interesting you bring that up because that is something we'll we'll get in a little more depth about why race quote unquote and i say it in quotes um having become a social contract there's a reason for it especially in this country and it may work out the same in other countries, uh, depending on their particular histories, but it does have a lot to do with the history of this country. So yeah. we'll we'll get into that in a little bit more detail. But um, ethnicity uh, is just more of a cultural heritage. So we're talking the native native language, their religion, what kind of holidays they may celebrate, cultural practices, and ethnicity is much more tied, much more closely tied to geographical region and culture than mm. your physical appearance. It's interesting, right. and um, I know it's going to sound a little confusing and conflated, but this is why, and I don't want to double back so soon, but this is why a lot of people are now saying race is nothing more than a construct, because again, it's difficult to be able to look at somebody, again, depending on where you are, to be able to look at someone and pinpoint what their background is, where they might be from. Right. So, you know, and, I was going to say race made the idea of it probably is a construct, but that doesn't mean that it isn't incredibly influential in how the world works. Oh, yeah. You know, a a rocket is a construct, but if you're not in a rocket when you're in space, you're going to (laughs) die. And the construct of race is one of the, especially in in this country, one of the more important things because it is so built into everything that we do in this country. But that's the thing. Just because it exists, does it mean that it always have has had to have? That's no. the trick, right? It, it doesn't it's, had it's, to, but it, it's I think here it, now. I think it because it's been here for so long. I don't know that. I know people talk about it constantly. You know those highfalutin think tanks and intellectuals and what's not. They talk about and then write up pieces about these things all the time, especially you know in more recent years. But has anybody found another way? to be able to talk about people besides using race. You know what I mean? Yeah, you, can, no. <laughs> you, can, you can talk about them in ethnic in ethnic terms, but according to these de- definitions about ethnicity, it has more to do with customs and cultures right. than it does how you look. So is there any other way to talk about what people's physical appearance appearances may say about where they're from or what their genetic background might be? I think that may be the trick Yeah. until until people find out a better, more common way 
to be able to talk about people's physical and, and uh, physiological, physiological differences, that that race is always going to be what everybody comes back to simply yeah. because it's been there for so long. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Once something doesn't matter if it was a construct or not, once it's become like part of the fabric of something, you're kind of trapped in that mindset. I don't know if I'm phrasing that right, but you know what I mean? No, no, I do. I do. And I think a perfect example of that are um, people that have, uh, and I, I, I mentioned this only because I know a lot of people in, that are, have this kind of background. They have one white parent, one black parent. Well, the argument is, are they black? Are they white? Right. Does it matter? Do we have to go so far in the detail? And let's say, well, what's their, what's, what is, what does ancestry say? What does 23andMe say? Does that matter? Right. Or does it matter? Or does it matter what that person identifies themselves as? Right. Because I've heard, I've heard people say I'm biracial or I identify as white, depending on how they look or I identify as black. Mm-hmm. Take, take Barack Obama, for example. He physically identifies as a black man. Well, he, he, physiologically, he looks like a black man. But right. his mother is white, but he is always identified as a black person. And then but there's always people, you know, since he hit the scene, there have always been people that have argued this on his behalf. Well, his mama's white, so he's not entirely black. That's right. probably probably the best example I can think of. Of I, I have known so many people that have said that. And this is probably going to make me seem like a moron. But, you know, it's the the question from the white point of view is always, well, why, if you're mixed, you always consider yourself or identify as black. How did I not realize this until like the last year? Duh, because we had laws in this country that if you had one drop of black blood, you were legally black. Yeah. But so how long ago, how that's long ago go- with that? Uh, the sixties. <laughs> longer. Um, <laughs> but that, but, but that's the thing. That's what everybody goes back to. He's right. Well, just, be- just because if that's the legal status and you can't legally claim a certain thing, eventually sort of culturally or whatever, that's why that's going to be the accepted thing. Is it right or wrong? I, I'm not going to say yay or nay, but that's it w- got to be part of why it was only it was only created. And again, this is something I'll get into a little bit further detailed in, um, later on in the conversation. But that that particular law was only created as part of white uh, European slaveholders wanting to create a particular system that worked to their advantage. Yes. Yeah, no, I I completely get all of that. But (laughs) that explains at least partially, maybe not 100%, why somebody would identify a certain way. Because if you're legally, that's how you're classified, for lack of a better term, that it would have an effect on you. It would. It would. And it also depends on what do you look like? You yeah. may have one white parent, one black parent, but, but you can uh, carry yeah. one parent's characteristics more than the other. So there, trust me, and you, you've probably seen them, you know, some, some celebrities or just maybe people that you know or have seen passing in the street. And I use the word passing. They're, that's what they're doing. They're basically passing. They look like, physiologically, they look like they're white. Right. From... yeah from facial structure to hair texture, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they identify as black because they have a black, uh, black parent. 
But then you have a whole contingent of usually black folks. I'm sorry to say it. That will insist up and down that this person is not black. Right. Because they don't look it no matter what their genetic background is. So that's why, in my opinion, the the, the topic of race and what that what is that supposed to be exactly describing nowadays? That's why that topic is titchy to me. Right. But I had to explain it. Yeah, yeah. The the best way I could, the way I understood it, yeah. just to be able to make the differentiation between that and ethnicity. Well, and genetics ethnicity, are funny. They are. Um, <laughs> I saw a TikTok of this girl. She's uh, 16 years old. Mm-hmm. And she's, she's like, I have no idea what to identify as. She's like, my dad is mixed, half black, half white. My mom is 100% white. But she's like, I look like neither of them. She looks kind of Asian <laughs> is how mm. she looked or Pacific Islander. Mm-hmm. And then she goes, these are my four brothers. And they all sort of look, you know, like a lighter skinned kind of mixed person though, sort of, you know, that it's what they look like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's like, and then my parents got pregnant with the surprise kid. That's like, this kid's like 13 years younger than all the other kids in the family. Right. Mm. Little girl. And she's like, and this is a picture of my sister who's 10 or whatever the age is. This girl is blonde hair, blue eyes with a really good tan. And she's like, do you know how frequently people accuse my mom of having cheated on my dad? (laughs) Yeah. And they showed a picture when she was a baby and she was getting christened. (laughs) Her dad had had the biggest smile I've ever seen on his dude. He was so happy. But that's got to be annoying as hell. But it's just how genetics works, folks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And and to bring another example in, a more recent example, and I'm sorry I didn't, I'm sorry it slipped my mind the first time, is our current vice president. She identifies as black and Asian American. Yeah. But to yeah. look at her at first glance, she appears to be black. Mm-hmm. Yep. But you look a little closer, yeah, you can you can see it. You can see the rest of it in there. And that's the trick that, you, that we've got, especially, I'm going to say it again, especially in this particular country, only because our intermingling is so, so much more, what's the word? We are a nation of immigrants, to put it basically. Right. So for, for us to be so um, um, genetically ambiguous a lot of times as far as how we look is to be expected. But for other countries, again, that don't particularly care to have immigrants, they're going to look a lot alike across the board. Mm-hmm. So, but in terms of ethnicity is, like I said, it's much more your habits and your cultures and your values and the things that you practice. Like in your case, um, being of Scottish heritage, you have certain things that you get involved with that are specific to your ethnic background because you that know it true. specifically. So for other people that have that kind of knowledge, not just necessarily from European countries, but from people that from, like, say, Colombia or from the Philippines, they have their particular cultures and celebrations and practices that they bring over and share from generation to generation. And that ends up being their ethnic background or their mm. their, their culture, so to speak. Yeah. So and if this is an interesting bit that I got from one of the sources that I researched and we're coming back to um, biraciality. Someone who's biracial and lives in, say, Haiti, might identify as racially black and Asian while considering themselves ethnically South Asian and Latino. 
figure that out. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> and just like you said, another uh, another point this article made was that race and ethnicity exist within the cultural context of a specific national environment. In other words, races and ethnicities differ between countries and they may differ within countries. Just yep. like you mentioned a minute ago about African countries, where within one country you can have different tribes, different religions, different this, that, and the third, but all these people are in the same country. Yes, perfect example of that. And that's partially because a lot of countries after World War War World War One. The first one. That's a construct as well, because they just <laughs> sort of looked at lines and said, yeah, we're going to make this a country. They didn't care if people were once again enemies, liked each other and, you know, whatever. And that's how you end up with, you know, Iran. And instead of the northern or I'm sorry, Iraq, instead of the northern part of Iraq, say, maybe being called Kurdistan because of the Kurdish people that hated the people that lived in modern day Iraq and modern day Turkey and modern day Syria. Nope. Now you guys are just spread out this way. And the same thing also happened. Uh, in Africa, they didn't care what traditional sort of, I guess, borders, whatever, mm. you know, what you were saying, tribes, ethnicity, they didn't care. They just, yeah, this is how we're doing it. And it didn't yeah. matter. And so what tends to happen after stuff like that is once the colonizers leave, it a lot of time can lead to, you know, civil war because these people that their enemy of the colonizers is no longer there. So now they go back to, oh, yeah, you know what? We don't like you. <laughs> and, you know, how much devastation in the world has been caused by that? Oh, yeah. And listening, friends, in case you think I forgot, I did not. There's a fantastic movie out called uh, Hotel Rwanda. Yes, with excellent. The, with Yes, with the ever fabulous Don Cheadle. And it touches on one of those very civil wars. If you've never seen it, check it out. But get ready. It is a hard-hitting and well-done movie. There you go. But that brings me to another point now that you've mentioned it, South Africa. South Africa just happens to be a country within the continent that was settled, quote-unquote, oh, I'm sorry, otherwise known as colonized and uh, stripped um, by the Dutch way back when and now because their ancestors, you know, settled down, took the land, decided they were going to stay. Now, they have their own cultural background apart from Dutch people who stayed in Europe. They have right. their own their own cultural background. They have their own their own language now called Afrikaans. Mm -hmm. But they don't look like the indigenous from that continent. That's another one of those by nationality. They are Africans, but ethnically and race wise, they're European. But yeah, yeah. They, but they've established their own cultures and things apart from their original ancestors. So that's another and and you know I'm not going to go into the obvious issues with South Africa. We all know what those are. But in terms of that particular culture group, that's an interesting example there. Yeah, so. yeah. If I could real quick touch on the when the colonizers leave, a lot of times civil war break out. It's not mm -hmm. just in like the Middle East or in Africa, the same thing happened in Europe when the uh, Soviet Union collapsed. What was it a within like two years that the massive civil war of what was Yugoslavia, because Yugoslavia was made up of like five different 
groups that didn't like each other. Mm-hmm. You know, Bosnia, Herzegovina, Serbia, all of that. And so as soon as the communists left, they immediately went back to their, we don't like each other and, you know, had this big, massive civil war. So I just wanted it to sort of be clear that this is a human trait, not a... <laughs> Oh, yeah, no. no yeah. <laughs> you know, not like a, I don't know. It's, it's just a, humans. <laughs> a particular group of people? Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's across the board, truly, truly. If you can if you can coalesce, if you're, if you're butting heads with somebody and the two of you find some commonality in a common enemy, then your interests are shared up until the point that they're not. And right. when, you don't, when you don't have something similar to focus on, then all of a sudden you're at each other's necks again. Same yeah. thing. Yeah. It's unfortunate, but human beings are the worst. Anyway. We are we are an odd an odd species. Odd. Because that's, a, that's a good you know, <laughs> I mean <laughs> well, sort of a perfect example is, you know, what we're talking about. You can have these conflicts with people in, you know, the US is by no means a perfect country, and we certainly have a ton of issues. And a lot of groups don't like each other, you know, have had conflicts and all of this. But mm-hmm. if an outside group comes and bombs us, we're like, hey, wait a minute. You can't do that here. You can't do that. <laughs> I may hate this dude, but God damn it, we hate him less than we hate you. <laughs> you know what I mean? You, yes. I may not like my brother. And it's okay for me to call my brother an idiot and for me to punch my brother. But when you do it, we have problems. <laughs> That just reminded me of yet another pop culture instance. Have you ever heard of the graphic novel and movie Watchmen? I know yes. you have because I think okay. Yeah. If you you read the graphic novel, I have. It's so been you years, know, but I have read it. Yes. So you know the basic plot of that story. Uh, the U.S. and this is an alternate universe where Nixon is just starting his fourth term. If that tells you anything, but the U.S. and Russia, or the Soviets, have been butting heads for a very long time. And this particular alternate universe is populated by mass vigilantes or what they call themselves. They're not superheroes, just mass vigilantes who hide their identities and fight crime. Anyway, one of these vigilantes considers himself a super genius and decides to um, construct a creature, I guess you could call it, in order to, in his, 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 he thinks he's a genius, but he's also a super psychopath. Yeah. So he decides he decides to generate this creature to kill off about three million people in New York City and let the entire world think it's an alien invasion. So the whole world will come together and stop trying to kill each other. Right. I've, I've simplified the plot a, a great deal. But listening, friends, if you know of it, you know, I am. If you don't know of it, please go to your local library and find it because it's an excellent piece of work yes don't don't let hmm. i i know people have issues with the movie but it did give us one of the greatest scenes in cinematography and that is when rorschach is in prison (laughs) actually that whole that whole whole arc is but particularly when they are in the food line oh yeah 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 and he does a very aggressive thing to another prisoner Yes, he does. And as the officers are coming to get him, he points out to all of the other prisoners that he is not in there with them. They are in there with him. And then he proceeds to demonstrate why they should be concerned. But <laughs> yeah, and then of course <laughs> later on there was the fun with the uh, 
<laughs> but when the, the one bad guy tries to break him out, yeah. and he's like, yeah, okay, we're yeah. going to just do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Listening Friends, that that is a, a several graphic novels because there was a couple sequels and a movie we were just talking about and a TV show, a wonderful miniseries that HBO did a few years ago. So that's our plug. Go check all of that out. Let us know. Yes. <laughs> anyway, back on the back now that on we side quested. <laughs> <laughs> That's 10 experience points. Um, <laughs> as I mentioned, nationality is pretty easy to define. It's just your legal citizenship. And you can define that a couple of ways. By birth through naturalization, i.e. you come into a country and you go through certain testing and qualifications to eventually become a citizen if you weren't already born there. And then there's citizenship by descent. If one of your parents was born in that country, you are also a citizen of that country. But if you were born in that country and you don't have a parent that was a citizen, you are not necessarily considered a citizen. It's a very interesting thing. Of course, it varies by country. I think Germany is one of those countries, if I'm not mistaken. We In the U.S., if you are born in the U.S., we have birthright citizenship. Mm -hmm. And you are called a citizen, which of course has led to the term from the uh, our GOP friends of anchor baby. Mm-hmm. Bless them. <laughs> you know, but also at the same time, this is why the whole, I hate to bring this up, but I have mm, to. Okay. Barack Obama was born in Kenya. So freaking what? His mom was U.S. citizenship. And in the United States of America, if one parent is an American citizen, it does not matter where you were born. You are a U.S. citizen. Mm -hmm. He could have been born on Mars and he still would have been a U.S. citizen. But never you mind that he pulled out proof of having been born in Hawaii. Right. still lying. I digress. Interesting (laughs) thing, though, about Barack Obama. Do you know Uh that he was the first U.S. president um, that the, because, you know, as states are added, we add more stars to the flag. Barack Obama Mm -hmm. is the first president to have been born where the flag that he was born with was the flag that was the flag when he was president. Just an interesting bit of trivia that only weirdos like me know. I like that tidbit, though. I'm going to keep that in my brain and never... In case I ever qualify for Jeopardy. Okay. Yeah. So I think though, for like us though, in terms of the whole, you're a citizen because your parents are citizens and it doesn't matter where you were born because we grew up on military bases. So many of our friends were born in foreign countries. Mm-hmm. That's not an odd concept for us. No, no. Cause we know they're citizens. Yeah. We know they're American citizens because if, you know, if you have a parent that's active duty in another country and you're born there, you are still American citizen. Yeah. Go figure. So many people we went to, you know, elementary and junior high with or whatever that we lived on Tinker. What what would you say? A quarter of them were born (laughs) overseas. At least a quarter, if not if not a third. Oh yeah. Maybe not half, but at least a third of the people we knew. It was a goodish amount. A goodish amount. So that that's for sure. That was a common thing, being military brats. So Coming back around, though, to the concept, quote unquote, of race and how it's a, it's being defined as a concept in which, you know, we were saying earlier it's a concept, but it's one that still holds true because there's still the whole debate about what exactly is it supposed to mean. But the concept of race in this country goes back a long way. And can you believe where it started? <sighs> I have a guess. Right when- Right when the Europeans came over to start settling, yada, yada, yada. But not exactly when you think, because 
towards the end of the 17th century when uh, laborers from England began coming to the shores. Of course, that's what everybody was here for. New world, let's go over here and make a buck. Let's see what's happening. But at that particular point in time, the labor force coming in from England started to decrease. And the colonies were like, hmm, we need somebody to help us make this money. One of their issues was how to maintain control over the uh, less financially fortunate, shall we call them, between them and the freedmen who seemed intent on the violent overthrow of the colony's leaders. And those were those ones that weren't tied down to anything or having to work for somebody. Their second problem was how to obtain a controllable labor force as cheaply as possible. This is what they decided to do. By the end of the 1600s, they decided they divided the poor folks into categories reflecting their origins, bringing all Europeans into a, quote, white category and instituting a system of permanent slavery for freed Africans, which in this case and in this point in time were the most vulnerable people of the population of America. And they did that in order to, in order by saying, when they said to, when the upper crust white Europeans said to the lower poor white Europeans, hey, you're just like us. They weren't doing that because they believed it. They wanted a way to keep them under control and to make an excuse for utilizing Africans for cheap labor. So they had to create an us against them mentality. Correct. And they had to keep the poor white folks under control to keep them from walling out because, yeah, we're poor and you're rich and you're not helping us do anything about it. Well, Wait a minute. You're just like us. We have a common enemy now. When there may have not been any enmity or ill feeling there, now the upper the upper crust echelon or whatever you want to call them, where we're creating that division in order to keep things as under control as possible and to give themselves an excuse to keep Africans as slaves or to yeah. or in order to make the idea of slavery more palatable and um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? More logical, I guess you could say. Yeah. Whatever logic, whatever logic there was in that, who knows? But that, but that's ta- how they talk themselves. Tactic and lesson well learned because the mm-hmm. the GOP does that today. It's not race, well, sort of, but they do that with having people that are lower income and middle class vote in people that all they want to do is help out millionaires and billionaires. Mm-hmm. It's the exact same thing. Oh, yeah. Other than because it's still an us against them. It's just now that them are Democrats and liberals and mm-hmm. elites, when really the way the way it should be is 90 percent of us should be for policies that that other 10 percent, <laughs> you know, because that's what those people are voting for when they mm-hmm. vote for these policies. They're helping that, you know, 5 percent of millionaires and billionaires. And it doesn't matter if they're screwing, going against your own best interest, mm-hmm. because that us against them mindset, it's like, and it's like breathing oxygen to some people at this point. It is. And I can't, I can't remember the exact quote of who said it, but it's something like, if you can make the poorest white man think he's better than a black man, then you've won or something yeah. to that effect. And this is what this is. This is this, this manipulation is saying, we're all in here together because we're all Europeans. Never mind that at a certain point, the Irish 
were on the lower rung of respectability, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. I say that nicely. I say it nicely. <laughs> no, no, it is it is completely true. As a matter of fact, there's a movie called The Commitments. And there is oh, a line in there. It. It's where they, um, it's these Irish dudes in Dublin and they form a, uh, like a soul band. Mm-hmm. And they're doing all these American soul songs. Mm-hmm. And somebody's like, that's just so weird. And one of the guy points out, he goes, we're Irish. We're like, we're like the black people of Europe, <laughs> which, oh <my> God. <laughs> which, which is the way they were treated by the rest of Europe is really a pretty truthful statement. Yeah. <laughs> but and, 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 and they got here. And of course, they're surrounded by some more of those same Europeans and they're getting treated the same until it was in that group of Europeans best interest to make everybody of European descent feel like we were all under the same balloon. We're all fighting the same struggle and we Mm -hmm. have to make sure we have to make sure, you know, we have all the land and we have all the money. So this is where this divide comes in, not just in an us against them, but we're the better people. They're not, they're not as smart. They're not as healthy. And unfortunately they, they made that claim due to the fact that there's so many diseases brought in that the indigenous were not immune to and they were dying off. But that was their excuse to once again put a negative stamp on people who weren't white, putting a stamp yeah. on the indigenous folks saying, well, you know, they're kind of sickly and then the blacks aren't that smart. So we have to keep them in their place. Yeah. And, and that perception has 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 had long lasting effect <laughs> yeah it? yeah it this is gonna sound weird mm. um one of my goals this year is to read more i used to be an avid reader avid reader i don't know the last five six years i just haven't read and I'm, one of my goals for this year was i'm gonna read 25 books i'm gonna read a mix of everything fiction non-fiction you know scientific whatever a bunch of stuff so i'm currently reading a book that is about the history of the domestication of dogs okay mhm as we all know when european settlers came to the quote unquote new world one of the most horrible things was that the indigenous people did not have any sort of immunity to the diseases from Europe and even Africa when slaves, you know, were brought over uh-huh. and it decimated the indigenous people. It completely made the dogs that the indigenous people had go extinct. Mm. There were multiple type of dogs that the indigenous people of the U S had first nations, whatever you want to call them. And when Europeans brought their dogs over the exact same thing happened with dogs only they went extinct. It straight up killed them. It makes it makes sense, and it points to how symbiotic all species are in certain parts of the world because they live with each other for so long. They've gotten used to each other as a matter of survival. Right. And when you when you take them out of their environment, you take them somewhere else where there's things around that they have no reference for, or that their physical bodies have no defense for. It makes sense. Not yeah. just not just the people, but the pets. It makes sense. It, it's Yeesh. honestly something I had never even considered until I was reading this book, and I was like, "Holy crap!" Yeah, I I had. And there are a couple breeds that they're talking about. Had they still existed now, would probably be like five thousand dollar dogs. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So that same thing though happened on a scale that we don't even think about, and mm-hmm. it's all yeah. because one group has to put 
another group against, you know, it's a good it, way to keep people from people the lo- on the lower. You don't, when you're wealthy, you don't want the people at the bottom to join together to fight against you. No. And this is exactly what they achieved. Yep. In, in, in setting up these divisions. It wouldn't, and in doing so, that's my, my little four legged audience. Um, Upset about on. the loss of the dogs. She is. Oh, um, <laughs> it's interesting that they set up these divisions in order not just to hog the wealth, you know, monetary and land wise, but also to have a ever ready pool of skilled laborers, which yep. were the Africans, basically. And by the early 1700s, they had managed pretty much to uh, prohibit even those those Africans that had were freedmen, they had managed to prohibit them voting and exercising civil rights, like owning property and things of that nature. So mm-hmm. it went even further. But the reality of it was is that they needed a, a cheap labor supply and they were going to continue to push this narrative that this is all they're good for. So why not utilize them what they're good for? Because, as it were, a lot of Africans were skilled farmers and medical and, and metal workers. They could weave. They could. Uh, uh, they worked in forgeries and things of that nature. So they had skills that were going to be beneficial to the colonists, and especially those who had plantations and farms that they needed. Um, they needed to upkeep. So it yeah. had, and not in addition to that, unlike the indigenous who, even though they were being driven from, you know, their original points of origin in this country to other ones, and a lot of them, unfortunately died because of that and we touched on that earlier and previously they all they they this was their this was their native area there was always someplace else for them to go for africans there wasn't right they were thousands of miles away from their original homelands there was nowhere for them to go and hide and disappear so to speak so they were kind of out of luck and as far as being able to find somewhere to, to do work or do any kind of work so they were out of luck there and those colonists and plantation owners took advantage of every bit of that. So, yeah. and you know, as we sort of talked about earlier, this argument is almost the exact same argument. What was an argument before the civil war? We can't get rid of slaves that will crash the economy, the plantations and the cotton farmers, they'll all crash and we won't be able to do that. And there'll be no cotton. So now what is the thing? Well, we can't pay somebody more than seven twenty-five an hour. Businesses won't be able to afford that. Mm-hmm. It's the exact same argument. It's just the groups that they're using in against change. Yeah. It's just, and people wonder why it's so necessary to learn about history because things like this keep happening over and over and over again. They keep manifesting in different ways, but the... The spin on them may be different, but the the focus point is almost always the same. Somewhere in here, we have to cause the division and let you know why you don't deserve what we have. Yeah. In some kind of way. Either you're uneducated or because you're from here or because you're from this neighborhood or because you look like this or because you're originally from this country or your people are from this country. Whatever the case may be. There always has to be somebody, us, against them. And it's not just here. I mean, we have the examples we have because, you know, by we nationality, when, by nationality, we're Americans, damn it. But it happens everywhere. 
to one extent or another. It's just the groups are different, but the sentiment is the same. Yeah. You you can't have what we have, and we're going to prove to you why. And yeah, we drama, yeah. As Americans, we can't speak on the sort of issues between like, well, take South Africa. We know that there are the issues that South Africa has, but we don't know the the details of it like, you know, laser focus as someone that lives in South Africa does. Sure. Mm-hmm. But we certainly know what the hell's going on here. <laughs> yeah. Right? And exactly. the reverse is true for someone that lives in South Africa. They know that we have our issues that we have here, but they don't necessarily have the laser focus sort of point on that. So that's Correct. kind of what our our point is. They're everywhere, but we talk about the US because that's our our bread and butter. It's where we live. So we know mm-hmm. Yep. That's that's where we've been. That's where we're always going to be. That's where our people have been, et cetera, et cetera, so on and so forth. Now, here's an interesting point, and it kind of it didn't surprise me when I read it, but it explained a lot. And th- again, this is where history history always folds into itself. His time is a spiral. <laughs> <laughs> if you ever, ever, ever seen True Detective, you know what I'm talking about. Time is a spiral, and history is just a spiral collapsing in on itself. Racial stereotyping of Africans was magnified by the Haitian Rebellion of 1791. Listening friends, if you've been with us since the beginning, you'll know exactly what we're talking about because we did a whole episode on yeah. history of Haiti. It was like our third episode, actually, yes. I believe. Yes. So we did a whole episode. And if you know, remember the details of the Haitian Rebellion, that led to Napoleon selling his piece of, of land in America which opened up the West to slavery expansion. And because of the details of the Haitian rebellion were making its way back to our shores, they had a lot of, of plantation and slave owners concerned that it would influence their slaves unduly into <gasps> rebelling. But it also magnified those ugly stereotypes about black people being violent. So, yep. you know, let's just add that into the whole thing. And that's, one of those stereotypes that, again, continues to this day. I, I don't want to go there because we'll be off the rails. Yeah, that wow. would be part two of this episode <laughs> it on, <would. laughs> on how that stereotype is still completely used to this day. To this day. Matter of fact, you know, we just had an example of it in the WTFs. You know, the idea that a cop stops a black man and inherently that cop has to be on high alert because... They honestly believe that black people, especially black men, are inherently violent. Yep. No, it's an ugly, ugly, ugly piece of history and it will not go away. But there it is, friends. Race, ethnicity, nationality. Those are the differences. And it's something that's probably going to be up for debate as long as human beings are still upright and forming think tanks. Yeah. People will, people will continue to discuss it. And I'm all for it, frankly. I'm all for it. Let's let's make the most sense of it as we can as we go along. Because if your opinion doesn't change with the more you know, then you're not learning shit. So, yeah. And if you can't be confronted with the shittiness of the past of your country, ethnicity, or race across the board, I'm talking worldwide, then nothing's mm-hmm. going to change. <laughs> no, you know, you have to you have to accept shitty things have happened. And I have to do my part to ensure that those shitty things don't happen again and that mm-hmm. we do everything in our power to prevent it from happening again. Mm-hmm. I agree. I'm with you on that. I, 
I learn on a regular basis how to not be so broad in the assumptions that I have about other people. And I feel over the years that I have, I have gotten better and better. Mostly, I give credit for that to my daughter. She, she used to call me on that all the time. I've gotten better and better at not making jump assumptions about who someone was or more specifically where they might be from based on the way they look. I've yep. gotten more, more particular on learning, hey, this person is actually of Korean descent. This person is actually Colombian. This person is actually Mexican. There's yep. a world of difference in these things. A world of difference. So learning yeah. those things, yeah. just learn, just starting, just starting at that point, learning those differences about the people you're around all the time and not making assumptions on where they might be from, where they look. That's a start. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked about this before. We all have differences, but you know what? We're all the same, too. Mm-hmm. Unless you are, you know, somebody with, you know, mental drug, alcohol issues. I'm sort of keeping that off to the side because your brain isn't working sort of how it normally would outside of those circumstances. Everybody wants their kids to be happy, healthy. They want their kids to learn. They want their kids to eat. You know, your extended family, your friends, you want those same things for them. And we are all alike in that regard. We all find things funny. We all get sad. <laughs> you know, we all experience someone that we love dying. That's a universal thing for, you know, humanity. And mm-hmm. when you realize that, and yes, shitty things have happened, but I'm going to do my part to make sure shitty things, at least it's new shitty things. <laughs> you know, not the same old, same old shitty thing. <laughs> yes, I would like, I would like to, to learn about this new thing. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, let's see if we can be shitty in a, new, a whole new way. Let's do that. We've learned about history. We learned what didn't work. Let's try something else out and see how well that goes off. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, that's if you can't see a baby and that's laughing and get joy from that or, you know, a baby that's upset and think, oh, wow, what's going on there? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what nationality, race, or ethnicity is. Mm-hmm. We should all be like that. And that's where you start. We're all people. We all want our family to be healthy and move from we're, there. We all want to be loved. We're, all, we're more alike than we are different. And I think when you, that's the thing about it. All these things that are different about us, half of them are not in our control, how we look. Yeah. The other half are out of our control up until a certain age or circumstance, depending on where you're from. Or whether or not, you know, you grow up in the country that, you know, your ancestors have been in for a while. Or whether or not you're in another country and that culture has been brought with your family. It all depends on Mm -hmm. how you were raised and in what environment you raised. Those are the differences. But just like you said, some people may find joy in celebrating the holidays in this way. Someone else finds joy in doing it in this way. The fact of the matter is we all, just like you said, we like those moments of joy. We like spending time with our families. We like being happy. We just do it in different ways. Yeah. And you know what? I'll venture to say you mentioned about folks that are unfortunately dealing with some kind of addiction. I want to say that they want the same things, too. It's just there's something out of their control. Right. That won't allow them to do that in a healthy way. Now. Right. Yeah. No, I w- I'm not saying that in somebody that's like an alcoholic or a drug addict hates their kids. Oh, no, 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 no. But when shitty things 
when their choices cause horrible things to happen to their kids, it's sometimes the circumstance of the addiction that mm-hmm. is the larger factor, not that they hate their kid. Right. No, true. And then and a lot of times because you've, you know, your results and your actions from whatever your addiction is, then can result in harm to your kids, which then will lead you spiraling to making even you know, continue making poor decisions. And then you just sort of get on the spirograph of doom. There is that. I, I see I see their point there. There is that. There is that. But even, even with that, those kinds of addictions where, you know, you make one decision and then you make an equally or even worse decision to try to fix that. So on and so forth. It doesn't, I don't think it necessarily means, like you said, that they want, there's no, there's no intent to harm. That's just what happens. And they're not just, they're not able to think that far out. But, right. you know, I don't want to I don't want to try to insult anyone by making an assumption. So, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. To be clear, I'm not saying that when, you know, if you're an alcoholic or whatever, that you're purposely don't care about. Oh, anybody. Yeah, no. no, 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 no. I'm saying no. that that affects sort of the I don't know, the 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 mindset differently because you have these other sort of circumstances occurring. Yes. That that have There's changed some- things a little bit. They're, they're, they're kind of overriding other things. Right. Yeah, I, can, I can see that. I can see that. So outside of the obvious and listening friends, when I, when I say obvious, I mean, you know, like those deranged psychopath types other than those, which is a very, 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 very small percent of the human race. Thank mm-hmm. God. We're all more alike than we are different. The rest of the, the we, we all for the most part have the same amount of functioning limbs the same amount of eyes, yada, yada, yada. We're all built pretty much the same. It's just the dressings that are different. <laughs> yep. Cause I can promise you that somebody that say works in a, uh, like a, you know, a morgue or whatever. The only differences they see when they get to the organs of people is they can tell if someone was a smoker and mm-hmm. if they were a drinker and mm-hmm. if they were obese. But they can't tell you looking at somebody's liver if that person was white, black, Chinese, Maori, you know, <laughs> they, nope. they cannot tell you where that person's country of origin was. If you slap four hearts down on a table, they can't look at them and go, yeah, that one's clearly can't do it. <laughs> they really can't. And you know what? And here's one of these one of these things that only nerdy people might know. I remember reading somewhere some time ago that there are certain really, really minor differences in certain like bone structure that would be able to tell you. I think that may be the only thing that let's say like a mortician or some forensic examiner would be able to tell, you know, right. And they're trained for that. Right. And they're trained to see those differences. (laughs) But like, like you said, just somebody who's, who's just acquainted with like, you know, the organs and things, they may not, they may not, they would not know. They would not know. They, They were just like, this person could have used more veggies. That's all they're going to say. Yeah, that guy clearly <laughs> needed some more cardio. That fellow Stop clearly it. drank too much alcohol of some sort. That person clearly enjoyed a Marlboro. You, you know, yeah. they could tell you that. They you know, they could even look at a bone and say, that guy broke that bone at some point in his life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, this happened. They could tell you that. You know, when I had my rotator cuff surgery and all the other crap they had to fix in my shoulder, afterwards, the surgeon comes in and he's like why didn't you tell me you had torn your rotator cuff before i'm like i tore my rotator cuff before 
<laughs> he's like, yeah, based on how it scarred over, you probably did it sometime when you were a teenager. And I'm like, oh, you know what? I think I know when that happened. But I didn't know that that happened. But that's because he's a doctor and he can tell. The rest of us would have just been like, that's odd. <laughs> you and my know? shoulder hurts a little. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> and just keep going about your business. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you know? I mean, the differences are, are the differences are superficial, honestly. Yeah, they really, they really are. are. They really are. Friends, we said all that long-windedness to say this. <laughs> we love you. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Bye. Bye. As always, thank you for listening to our podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review, hit that like button, and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. Your feedback is valuable, and we welcome it. If you would like to contact, connect with, or just want to see what we talk about between episodes, you can find us on Facebook under our podcast name, on Instagram at K-A-Y-A-N-D-J-A-Y-S-T-W, our website, podpage.com slash kenyatta-jack-save-the-world, or email at k.j.savetheworld at gmail.com. If you would like to learn about and contribute to our chosen charities, you can do so at Service Dog Project at servicedogproject.org and Black Women's Health Initiative at bwhi.org. Kenyatta and Jack Save the World is a product of Hyper Focus Podcasts.